And how you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Hopefully the audio sounds better. It actually ain't our audio part. It's this uh, dang old OBS, man. It's a finicky sucker. Uh, but today we're going to take an interesting jump back in time to the 1970s. And the reason why I want to go back to the 1970s is because this was the time period where publications like the Rolling Stones, uh, you had, uh, what is it, uh, the Washington Post back then, they really started to focus on MCs in a bad way. Rolling Stones, it kind of has a hard-on for the Hells Angels. You know, all the way back, you know, we got articles from 1970 where it, as soon as Altamont went down, boy, they were all over that one. And it seems like ever since then, they've been on their tails. Uh, we have an article, the, you know, it's the title of this video, Hells Angels on Trial, uh, Tales of Drugs and Death. That was actually a title to an article that they were talking about in 1972, uh, the 21st of December to be exact. And the narrative that the media has continued to use is just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. You know, there has to be 10 uh the 15 well-known 1% clubs in this country and the really only ones I look at is 1%, but that's my personal opinion. You know, I look back at the history of these clubs and what they had to go through to get to the point they are right now. And for, you know, clubs, I don't know, I'd have to say the last 10 years that have just been thrown on diamonds, it's like, man, you watered down the history of what these clubs went through. The profiling, the ass-kickings that cops gave these guys. You know, the 1970s was a whole different era than it is now. A lot of these younger guys don't understand the difference. You're living in a situation where, yeah, there's a ton of profiling. But you're also not living through the hardcore profiling that went, went on in the 1970s. And the 1970s was the era of Vietnam vets returning from Vietnam. And they were some hardcore boys, man. They did not play around. And they brought a toughness that I believe has been unseen in this lifestyle for a very, very long time. So the watering down of the diamond, it's actually a pretty sad state of affairs, especially when you see, you know, one or two of these big diamond clubs that have been around forever handing them out like candy because they say, well, we only talk to other one percenters. I think it's watering it down, and what that has done is opened up a Pandora box for all this other stuff to come in. I would think, personally, again, you know, it's my opinion, not gospel, that you would want to, you would want to protect that tradition. You wouldn't want any outsiders 
to be in the tradition of, you know, enjoying the success that your brothers poured blood, sweat, and tears in, went to prison, hit the grave. But for them to just enjoy that is like, wow, you have some out there that, you know, they started with corrections officers, cops, and then years later decide, well, you know, we're going to throw on a diamond. And then you have a major club say, okay, cool. It's like, wait a second here. Wait, time out. Uh, hold the uh, bone, whatever you want to say. It's kind of messed up, man. Especially what with what your old timers had to go through. And they went through a lot of crap. A lot of crap. We've covered stories where they would beat these bikers, especially club members, down with billy clubs uh, to the inch of their life, or in some cases, kill them. Again, it's nothing like today, but you would think with that history, you'd want to protect it. You wouldn't want these all these little smaller clubs running around and saying, yeah, we're one percenters. Okay, what adversity did you have to go through? What adversity did your fellow brothers have to go through to get that diamond? Did they have to face the hostility of law enforcement? Or did they have to face the hostility of the national press on their ass day after day? A lot of people ask me why clubs don't want to talk to the media. Well, there's a history there for you. It goes all the way back in time when there was sensationalized titles to articles like we're about to cover. Again, it goes all the way back to Altamont where, uh, you know, the Angels were providing uh, security for the Rolling Stones. It didn't go as well as they thought it would, uh, to say the least. And ever since then, Rolling Stones magazine's been on their ass, as well as all the other papers out there. We thought the media was biased when it came to today. It isn't. Go back some more decades, man, and then you'll really see just how bad it really was. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people is, see, I'm amazed by history. Not only biker, but I'm amazed by events that people lived through. Like this past weekend, I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, I probably did yesterday. But going to a campground, camp host is uh, Vietnam Air uh, Navy. Coral Sea. We went over the differences of what he thought the Navy was back then compared to what it is now. Uh, the different policies that were in place back then compared to now. How boot camp was back then compared to now. Because, you know, they can't hurt anybody's feelings. And I think that takes away from our uh, war fighting skills, if you will. But that's a different type of topic. But I really enjoy that type of stuff. And then... When I sit down and hear from a biker that was in the 1970s, had a ride through it, it just hypnotizes me 
because they were there. They know what it felt like to be hardcore profiled. They knew that society truly hated them. Hated them. Now, it's cool nowadays to be a biker. Everybody's a biker. Lawyers, cops, crap. You got cop clubs that wear a three-piece patch that can't stand one percenters. They can't stand a lot of other clubs, but they want to dress like them. I remember when it was only the Blue Knights. But now it's got so out of control with cop clubs, and you got to sit back and ask yourself, why? You guys hated this. But now, because in the 1990s, 94, around that time, Harley-Davidson really started to push this bad boy image to a bunch of rubs who bought off all the motorcycles off the floor, and now they're big bad bikers. Now, I don't, you know what, I don't try to bang anybody who loves motorcycles. I don't, man. There's motorcycle enthusiasts, which is killer because you're not acting like something you're not. But this whole phenomenon, when it comes to cops riding in clubs, is just hilarious when you go back and look at what we're going to go look at. It doesn't make any damn sense whatsoever. Why they would want to throw a three-piece patch on and act like something they're not. And that's one thing that I'm always going to beef on is that. it's I say it all the time, man. It's probably because their women want a real freaking man. I don't know, man. Uh, now, I can see you getting a cop club throwing on a one-piece patch. Fine, whatever. But don't try to emulate people that you hate, that you kicked and stomped in the 60s and 70s. And I'd have to say this whole narrative about bikers had a start from Hollister. It started with that Time Magazine story. You know, the stage photo. And ever since then, the media came to understand it's that kind of coverage, fake coverage, that sells their newspapers. And in this age, they're digital ads. So as soon as it, Hollister happened, that's been the media narrative from that point on when it came to the bigger clubs. Even if the bigger clubs did some good stuff did some good community service. Next thing you know, you got cops coming back to the media saying, no, 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 you can't write that. You can't write the good. They use that to cover for their criminal activity. That's exactly what they say. Exactly. And then the media buys it. Sad state of affairs, if you ask me. Sad state of affairs. Let's take a look at this right here. Rolling Stones. Now, this was the 21st of December... 1972 and look at the title of this piece hell's angels on trial and again this is rolling stones because they have a heart on for the angels i don't know why maybe they're pissed off because their band namesake i don't know 
tales of drugs and death. How the law finally caught up to the infamous motorcycle gang and its presidents. Again, this is how they were looking at things in 1972. We're in our time warp. We got in our time machine. We're going back in time and going over this kind of stuff. It was kind of cool, the hippie look back then, wasn't it, man? Uh, depending on what club you were in, it was the striped shirts that you would wear. Uh, now, the caption of this picture is members of the Hells Angels gang acting as both security and hoodlums. Hoodlums. Jumped the stage with uh, Gorman Kraken of the Jefferson Airplane at the Altamont Speedway outside of Livermore, California. This happened on December 6th, 1969. Now, I don't know if you uh, remember, there was something called the Vietnam War during the 60s. Actually, uh, 68 and 69, it was going heavy over there. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff happening in them two day, uh, years. But there was also the civil rights, there was uh, I Hate America movements, kind of like BLM today. Very tumultuous times back then. Let's go on to here, just a couple of things that they were talking about. Whispering Bill Piper is dying. The cancer growing in his throat has now all but choked off his raspy voice. A lip reader stood beside him and interpreted his words to the courtroom. They came slow and measured the damning silence words of a dying hell's angels. I understand I would have complete immunity, he said. I won't testify without it. The time I left, I want to spend on the street. Interesting. Uh, then... 33-year-old Sonny Barger, president of the Hells Angels, supposedly talked too much, too much to Whispering Bill while they were both in the Almeda County Jail in Oakland. The cold-eyed Barger has a reputation as a braggart, and this time, according to police, something he and Whispering Bill talked about led them to the hilly grasslands near Yukia in far northern California, where police found three bodies stuffed into abandoned wells on a 153-acre ranch owned by the Hells Angels. Big Tom Skull, 24, Charles Baker, 30, had both been strangled. Their bodies had been in the wells for about a year. A young woman, who is still unidentified, was found in the other well. About six months ago, remember this is 1972, somebody shot her in the head. If it had uh, been a year ago or only a few months, uh, he would have kept quiet according to the code that binds the angels. Or if it had been out on the streets in some beer stall bar in Oakland or around some trash cluttered campsite at the end of a late summer run, but Whispering Bill knew he was dying. He didn't want it to be there in the antiseptic stink of the Alameda County Jail, so according to police, he offered his information on the angels burial ground and return for some last days of freedom so it goes all the way back to then with the rats all the way back to then it's not a new phenomenon uh they talk about when they went to ranch they found uh baby hoodie and all that type of stuff uh 
Ralph Hubert uh, Barger, they talk about how he's been president since 57. Uh, (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. This is how they uh, describe them. Barger and his people are throbbing hordes, half-vulgar barbarians, half-fascinated visages of wild, unshackled glory. That is how the Rolling Stones described them back then. Half-vulgar barbarians, half-fascinating vestiges of wild, unshackled glory. People are afraid of them, but they are lured to watch them to come as close as they dare to the thrill of unpredictable violence, which waits like the evil, choking sound of an idling a Harley 1974. That's pretty messed up, isn't it? <laughs> you know what, that's kind of interesting right there. It says Harley 74, but this was written in 72. Would you guys have a time machine to go forward? It was probably something like that for Big Tom Shull and Charlie Baker as they loaded up in Charlie's beat-up 57 uh, pickup in the fall of 71 and rambled west out of Georgia headed for California where the legends of freewheeling Frank and Frenchie from Purdue were born and nourished while Big Tom and Charlie were still learning to ride a two-wheeler. Back then, it was a shock value in the media. This is the kind of narrative that you would get. It'd be like a uh, fictional story. They'd take certain parts of what was reality and put it in to this type of deal. And that's how they used to sell it. That is the Rolling Stones. Again, this article, there's a lot more in here, but I just wanted to glance over some of these so you guys can see how it was in the 70s. How the law finally caught up to the infamous motorcycle gang. Hell's Angels on trial. Tales of drugs and death. Now, here's one in 79. Rolling Stones. Hell's Angels Masters of Menace. It reads like a damn freaking comic book, or it reads, again, like a Harry Potter series. It's kind of like, over the years, that's what they did, was try to get their titles even better. This infamous gang has traded its colors and cycles for dark suits and Lincoln Continentals. Again, April 5th, 1979. Have you ever known a Hell's Angel to trade in their Harley for a Lincoln Continental? Now, Lincoln Continentals are badass. I got a 76 I'm working on to turn into a lowrider. But I never trade it for, you know, I never trade my Harley for one. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. Ain't happening. No, thank you. It was uh, the winter of 1976 when the twins and their mother first appeared in the Oregon village of Laurelwood. They moved into a small cottage under the Pandoras and kept it uh, themselves. The mother, a sad-eyed woman of 25, worked intently inside the college. She rarely left except to drive her two six-year-old girls uh, to first grade. Uh, Let's see here. She has written a book, an autobiography of her life back in California with the Hells Angels. It was a story with names and places how the the angels had forced her into prostitution, kept her on drugs, brutalized her, how she finally had escaped from them and turned state's evidence. 
that goes all the way back past uh, the 70s. They've always said that kind of stuff. And I think that's where law enforcement tries to keep this type of uh, accusation alive, where 1% clubs force women into prostitution. Could it be the case for some? Yes, but not as the club as a whole. But they don't distinguish about that kind of stuff even till today, like it was back then. But again, with this being a Rolling Stones type of deal, they got to get all sensationalized. So this is where they were talking about this broad writing a book. How the angels forced her into prostitution, kept her on drugs. <sighs> Unreal for that, man. Now, this is where it all started out. For the Angels and Rolling Stones, again, it goes way back to the Hollister with that Time Magazine article when the media really got stupid. January 21st, 1970. The Rolling Stones disaster at Altamont, Let It Bleed. With four dead and a mess at Altamont, Rolling Stone tries to get to the bottom of what really happened at the festival. Yeah, they're going to try to get down to the bottom of things. They were doing an interview here. Now this guy that you're talking about, is this the black guy that got killed? Yeah, right. He shook loose and the Hells Angel hit him in the mouth and he fell back into the crowd and he jumped off stage and jumped at him and he tried to scramble, you know, through the cloud to run from the Hells Angels and four other Hells Angels jumped him. They started mugging him and then they go on. This is when they claim he had a gun. No, no, he didn't pull out a gun yet. So the guy had a gun. All the Hells Angels were doing was their job working the security that they were being paid for. They started, they were smugging him, and they started running. He was running straight into the crowd, you know, pushing people out of the way. Uh, what was this guy, and this is an interview with the questions being from Rolling Stone. What was this guy's condition? Had he been smoking? Had he been drinking? Or do you know? The answer was he was really straight. He was really feeling really weird about being pushed around and stuff, but he was really pretty straight. So he was a straight guy. When the cats start, or when uh, the eats started grabbing him, what did he say? What did this black guy say? Even back then, it had to do with race, with the media. Even back then, it just got worse now. He just gave him a weird look, kind of mean look, and yanked away. He didn't give him any verbal provocation or anything. So they're chasing through the crowd, and they hidden him, and one hell's angel pulled out a knife and stabbed him in the back. I guess this has to be a witness or something. But he did have a gun. Let it bleed. And then there's that picture, and this was on the, uh, the cover of Rolling Stone, with a bunch of hippies sitting in front. Nothing against hippies, man. Nothing against hippies. But here's some other articles, you know, other than Rolling Stones back in the time. Jail terms deplete ranks of Hell's Angels. They even put an apostrophe in the Hell's Angels name. Uh, the 18th of March, 1973, 40-something years ago, 
They claim the Hells Angels, the motorcycle gang, whose violence satisfying their appetites once spread terror in the States, have fallen on hard times. How many times have you heard law enforcement say about a motorcycle club, we really depleted them now, they might not have a chance to come back, and they always make them look stupid. <laughs> uh, in 73, I guess, uh, Barger was sentenced to a prison term on conviction of peddling drugs. He has to serve 10 years before he was asked. Uh, drugs led to the downfall, and it appears uh, that drugs have shattered the strength of the Hells Angels. They used marijuana before it became popular. Some of them used heroin, but it was not until the mid-1960s they moved headlong into the drug uh, traffic supply uh, as suppliers. Uh, then they were talking about a dozen in prison, blah, blah, blah. But that was a New York Times article, uh, 1973. Uh, then there was one in 72 uh, from the Desert Sun. Uh, by Donald uh, Thackeray, uh, police reportedly once ordered a member of the Hell's Motorcycle or Hell's Angel to take off his jacket uh, underneath on his shirt, same coat of arms, blah, blah, blah. But uh, what's interesting, what the hell, man? Let's see what a washer and dryer cost back then. 200 bucks for a, wa uh, a washer back then, man. They haven't gone down anything, man. We Our money sucks. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's always funny to see what kind of stuff that, uh, how much it was back then. But I guess the moral of the story of this whole thing is clubs, they're probably never going to get over talking to the media, even though I personally think it's very, very, how can I say it? It could help the club a lot by trying to mold a potential juror's brain. You know, we know potential jurors, they're not the smartest uh, people on the planet. But that's what the cops do working through the media, is they start molding their minds before the case is even shown. And one of the biggest problems is what the media has put in the mind of citizens in this country, and I'm, I'd have to bet all over the world, is bikers are nothing but greasy, no good hoodlums. Just like that article in the 70s talked about in the Rolling Stones. Nothing but barbarians. I'd have to say that's kind of what uh, a lot of people still look at clubs like today. This was especially true after 2015. It's just gotten worse down in Texas. And it has got worse everywhere else. And by the way, if you're in the state of Illinois, motorcycle profiling uh, bill is in Illinois. Get on phone with your representative and tell them to co-sponsor this bill. Everybody wanted it. Abate's working on it. So get involved. Again, you won't, you know what? You, if you sit back and say profiling don't happen, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you, man, until it happens to you. So, anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments section about this history, how the media, and especially Rolling Stones, 
till this day, still has a hard-on for the Hells Angels ever since 69, man. It's like, damn, man, did the Hells Angels screw one of the editor's freaking wives or girlfriends or something? Because it just seems like they don't want to let up, man. <laughs> they don't want to let up. Anyway, man, let's go. We're going to be going over to the second half of the show. China Dolls in here with me right now. Come get some laughs and have some fun, man. I'll talk to you then. For something just a little bit wild. God! Now or never, here it comes. Take yourself on a journey into the unknown. Yeah! Are you ready? Attention. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. Hey! This is good stuff. I want to share something with you. You're listening to Motorcycle Madhouse Radio, WMMRDB Rockford. And welcome to the second part of the show. Hopefully you guys are having a good Tuesday. Hollywood's all pissed off right now. We had a beautiful weekend, but now it's nothing but rain. You know what? I know we need rain for all our plants. So, you know, it's like a big chain. You need the plants. You need the animals that eat the plants. And then, uh, you know, we eat the animals. But this rain sucks. And it's bad enough during the wintertime. I had freaking cabin fever. And it was a bad cabin fever. But now, after this weekend of having fun, riding, and all that good jive, it has to rain, and it's not supposed to get above 60 again, you cocksucking Jack Frost. But anyway, I got my co-host in, one of the prettiest women around, and sucks a good dick. It is China Dow. How you doing? China Dow is a black widow, baby. She's already poisoned my ass once, but yesterday she got better. It is China Dow. <laughs> I'm doing good for waking up ten minutes ago. Yes, you almost missed the show. I was about to go solo. It happens. Do I got time to put on my lipstick? I forgot to turn my alarm on. <laughs> you know what? It's funny with this broad. She's lazy. All she has to do is say, hey, Google, set alarm for 7 a.m. But she don't do it. Um, I unplugged the Google thing in my room the other day. Why? At, to charge all my backup batteries for when we went riding. Right. <laughs> and when I plugged it back in, I forgot to reset it. Only you. <laughs> you know what? The only thing I don't like about the Google Dot, I really love that thing. I use it a lot. Is it don't tell the good jokes? It tells. Oh stupid my god! Jokes. No, it's the stupidest jokes ever. It's kind of like when you try to be funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, shut up! You're not too funny. Okay. I. Okay. <laughs> she Whoa. don't know what to say. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> she knows it to be true. I try. But we all have to give China Dow a huge round of applause. Yes, we got to give China Dow a huge round of applause. Why? It's about time China Dow came out of her shell and she said, you know what? Enough is fucking enough. And she went and told her store manager that a schluck 
I want the weekends off. You ain't paying me good enough. I want to have a life. If I'm not going to have a life, I want to make some money. But she went to her new manager and said, you know what, screw off. I'll close every night, Monday through Friday. But you're going to give me the hours or you can go fuck yourself. I was like, damn, China Dow finally got some freaking balls. What? I, I'm not missing any of these rides where, that you're going to be going on on the weekends. I want to go. So you got the bug <laughs> after this this weekend, huh? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> I, I, I had way too much fun. And with COVID last year, we didn't go on any run, bike, you know. We didn't get to do no we video and no nothing. nothing. It was, like, lame. And the year before that, because I always had to work all weekend, I missed everything. So, enough is enough. I'm going riding on the weekends. <laughs> so, is that the, the only fever. motivation that you had? Was you wanted to go out ride and hang with everybody? Uh, or what else was behind that decision? And this is important to talk about because people, you got to know your own worth. And one, I know jobs are important. You got to have the money. But at the same time... You have to get what's owed to you. Don't ever sell yourself short. And we've had many of arguments about this. You know, she's pissing me off because it is her work. And finally, I just told her, you know what? Don't talk to me about your fucking work because you're never going to change it. But I believe that you're the one that has to do the change. Mm -hmm. You got to say to yourself, I'm worth this much. If you don't want to give it to me, then... We're going to go by my terms. I always believed in that, man. I always believed that you got to do stuff on your own terms. Don't let others dictate to you. But China now, she has this problem. I don't like hurting people's feelings. She don't like hurting people's feelings. Where I'm like, go fuck yourself. Uh, feelings don't matter to me when it comes to my personal goals. Life is a bitch, man. It's a, it's a salty-ass, viping bitch, just like you women. And it's not going to give you any breaks. So you have to be tougher than it. And China Dow loves people. She has this personality. And it finally got to the point where she said, you know what, I really had fun with uh, everybody this weekend. It was really good to get out of the house and not have to worry about my phone ringing or hers uh, asking if she could come to work and come to work making peanuts. See, in Illinois, they're getting a minimum wage type of deal. And what they do is cut everybody's hours. They don't want them to be full time. They want them to cut hours. But at the same time, when they do that, they give screwed up schedules where people don't get to have a life. And this was happening to China now. And it was really starting to affect our marriage. You know, I know she works hard. She barely calls off. She barely asks for any time off. So when I see something happening to her like that, I sit here like, what the fuck? fuck is going on here and then i get on her and her with her emotional being that she is i get pissed 
because I don't want to see anybody taking advantage of her. So she went in, and you did what? I went in and this I went in yesterday morning uh, before we dropped my car off, and said that her and I needed to have a little chat when I came in later. And she goes, "Well, I needed your help with something when so I'm going to come in later anyways." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, good." And when I got to work, she wasn't there. But then she came in, and she looks at me, and she goes, so what seems to be the issue? I said, this place. I said, this place is the issue. I said, I bust my ass anywhere between 38 and 40 hours a week. I said, and guess what? I need a life. I think the wind therapy helped. The wind therapy helped. They got you to where... Sunday's ride. That's where people think, you know, <laughs> bikers, they think when they're riding. I think it helped, because, you know, I got to, you know... We don't try it. I don't like to talk a lot. Well, I do talk a lot when we're on the bike. But I was quieter because you said, why are you always so quiet? Because my mind was racing. So I was thinking, which I don't do a lot of. No, you don't. So, but I went in and I told her and I said, you know, well, you came in Tuesday with the new schedule and you said, you know, you put me Monday through Friday. I said, that's good. I go, and you said, you're going to try and make it where I'm going to always be Monday through Friday. I said, well, now you need to stick to that. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because y'all don't pay me enough to be here and not have a life. I said, I bust my butt here. I do a bunch of manager things, and I'm not management. I don't get paid what I'm worth. So Saturdays and Sundays, I'm taking them off. I said, one of two things are going to happen. Number one, I'm going to either get a second job where I can make what I'm worth and have fun. Or two, I'm using the time to spend time with my old man and all our friends and go riding. And she's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, seriously. I said, so you really need to stick to this Monday through Friday thing. I don't care if I close five nights a week. I said... But I am 100% not working on the weekends. Well, what if people ask for days off? Then you better hire more staff. Mm -hmm. what, what I find interesting right there is they always come back and they ask if you're serious. <laughs> Every time. Are you serious? Well, I was serious like a year ago when I gave you a two weeks notice because y'all pissed me off. Mm -hmm. But then you offered me more money, so I stayed. Right. And that's, it's terrible that people have to do that. And it's terrible with uh, the wage disadvantage that women face in the workplace. Uh, well, and it's terrible when you've been there, you know, three years, and she's like, well, your review's this month. And I said, what, 24 cent raise? Gee, thanks. You know, and then you find out the person that just got hired who is a male, no offense, guys, but he's a male. Well, that's it, what I was talking about. And it, is the, and it is the only guy that works at our store because it's all been women, but technically. He you know, is a fag. But he, he, I'm, he's, he's a gay guy. He's a nice guy. I'm going to give him that. But he got hired on more than what I am making. And that ain't right. And I've been there three years, and I've noticed a trend, and it's not just him Anytime a new employee comes in, they're making more. They get hired at more than what I'm making. So I have to threaten to either quit or reduce my hours in order to get a raise. So I got to do what I got to do. And if I got to threaten to not work on the weekends and to get a second job, which 
Yeah, I'm not planning on getting a second job. That's because we we got so much going on. We're going to be going to Algonia for the Freedom Rally. We're going to make it this year because I'm going to take the fucking Suzuki instead of the Harley. I yeah, gonna, leave the Harley so we don't have issues. The Harley stays the fuck home, man. <laughs> I don't feel like being on the side of the road. <laughs> right? And, uh... Well, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use the Suzuki to go do a lot of filming and, you know, have some fun. Because last year a lot of stuff was canceled. But you you don't want to miss that kind of stuff because you are part of the show. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that, okay, I've had to explain I don't know how many times to the management, which is just a manager now, uh, that it's not like I sit at home and do absolutely nothing when I'm not here. I'm like, my man has a show. How many times do I got to say this? That's on YouTube. It's huge. He's got a radio show. We've got a Discord server. We've got all these things. We've got things, people inviting us to go places for, and then, you know, he represents for, you know, his show and everything. And I'm part of that. And I've been part of that. So. And you're never able to do it. And I'm never able to make appearances with you. You always have to go by yourself. And because a lot of people want to be going. by you because they don't like me, <laughs> and I'm going. <laughs> That's just because I'm nice. That's just like the other day they were like, "Oh my God, you met this person." This I'm because I've met three of our guy, three of the guys, and Greg's in here. Met Greg. He was the first one. Greg's my fishing partner. Greg's cool. I like Greg. And J Man came up this past weekend, and we met. Uh, you know, I met Big D a few times. Um, his his. He's he's he his his way of meeting me was handing me a bottle of Fireball candy and a cherry Pepsi, so that was interesting. Right, <laughs> but it's like I post the pictures because I'm like y'all better be ready for some pics because I'm gonna take a picture every time I meet somebody. And, and the Rumble in the Woods is coming up. That's yeah. gonna be a fun one. And post it on Discord, and you know I did everybody's pictures that I've been, have met has been posted in general chat one day or another, and there was people saying. You know, I'm like, who? I can't wait to see who I'm going to meet next. And that, then they were arguing over, well, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. And I'm like, well, okay, as long as you guys are picture ready. What um, What advice would you give women now that you took your first step? You know, women need some advice here. You know, I know I call them vipers and stuff. Maybe they need to bring it out their inner viper when it comes to something other than leading a man around by his dick. Stand up for yourself. Especially at your job, I, I, I wasn't. I went in basically with a no fucks given attitude yesterday, which isn't really who I am at work. I think a lot of women's problems are when it comes to this type of stuff. They're afraid to lose their job and they won't be able to get another one. I what? Well, I went in there thinking I didn't even care. I'm just like I don't even care. I'm like if you want to fight because I know they're not going to fire me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if they did, they'd be totally screwed. Because <laughs> right. they're so short-handed right now, so that was a benefit for me. So you got to look at angles. You got to look at all the angles. For me, I could basically go in and tell them whatever right now, and I, I wouldn't get fired because of the fact that we are so short-staffed. I mean, we have. But what about four employees? But what about other women that are not in that position? Don't, where they're don't sick like, of things. Don't don't. Don't let them 
make you feel like you're less of who you than who you are. Because I did that. This is very important for the younger women. You know, I I basically I worried more about the store, uh, management's feelings. Oh my God, if somebody gets sick. And to be honest with you, even on Saturday, that used to drive me fucking crazy. Even on Saturday, when I was still feeling kind of crappy. And I'm under the weather from the stupid COVID vaccine. That scared the shit out of me. Um, I, I'm like, well, I have to go in. There's nobody to cover for me. And, and that shouldn't have been your problem. And it shouldn't have been my problem. Because most employers are given 48 hours now because yeah. of that shot. Yeah. Yeah. And my dumb butt only took the day of off both times. But... You got you got to just stand up for yourself like 110% and don't let people walk all over you, which, you know, that seems to be my problem a lot. Mm-hmm. Is you got to have a Now no, what no if they co- what what if the boss comes back and demeans you cuz you are a woman? Meaning demeans you saying okay well you know you're making a lot here you have a grade here i can go to mcdonald's and make more an hour this is true but the grass ain't greener on the other side that's what they always go at i think men are taught in business school or some shit to go after women's emotions because you guys are emotional beings which is going to be highly entertaining because our new dm is a guy so uh can't wait to see what goes on with that but, uh, and I think men, uh, believe it or not, even though they have to work as well, other than, you know, some guys don't work anymore because they're punks. But anyway, guys actually get pissed off at the woman because they don't take a forceful action. I know I did with you. Yeah. Because, you know, I know how good you are. I know what kind of person you are. I know how hard you work. And for me to have to sit back and watch some of that, that is one of the things that was interfering with the marriage. And I know this happens to everybody else. You know, I'm kind of the extreme kind of thinking. But there's a lot out there, men-wise, that want to tell their woman, you know what, stand up for yourself. But they let that money issue get involved. They never get away from the money issue. They're always held by the balls. Kind of like vipers hold the balls of a man in their purse. That is what happens during a situation like that. And people know how need to know that there are other options out there. Women, you are worth what you're worth in your own mind and take that. Don't sit there and take less than what you're worth because you got a pink taco. That You know what? I got daughters. I got granddaughters. So I'm seeing it from a different perspective on this issue. Would I want my kids or my grandkids to take something because... That's the only option they have as a woman. I don't believe in that. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know, I bust on women all the time, but that's because I'm a biker. I'm different. You know, I'm no, it's just because that's how you are. I'm an asshole. You're an asshole. But at the same time, I believe in sticking up for women. Yeah. When the situation presents itself, hey, 
you got to get off your high horse and say, you know what, enough's enough. There was many a times I wanted to go into your work and say, this is what's up, Jack. If you don't like it, go fuck off. You know, I just had that, you know, the street attitude at that time. Yeah. So it was like, you know, because I felt like they were hurting you and hurting your, uh, you know, self, uh, how can I say it, pride. Yeah. And you weren't standing up. And that, it made me think less, even though I didn't know the, all your feelings about it. Well, you know, it's like what I ended up doing was just saying, fuck it, I don't care. Worst comes to worst, I'll apply at Walmart. I don't care. <laughs> they pay more there, too. You know, it's not like they, they don't give me insurance. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have a 401k, but they don't put any money into your 401k just like they at They said they company. would. Yeah, this company does not put any money into your 401k, which is a lie because they tell you in the beginning that they do basically, you know, dollar for dollar. Mm. Well, all the money in my 401k is from my own check. So what's it worth? All it is is a big savings account. It's a savings account, yeah, because they ain't get putting anything into it, so that's kind of bogus. Um, their insurance is extremely outrageous. I'd have to work two or three jobs just to cover for their insurance so can't afford that one uh they treat you like shit they make you do stupid shit <laughs> and i got tired of doing stupid shit and being fe- and coming home feeling like shit so so the you know i said fuck it all <laughs> so women i guess uh, the point of this segment is stand up for stand yourself stand up for yourself Stand up for yourself and don't let people walk on you. Hell no. I've, I've done it way too many years, way too many times, letting people take advantage of me. And now when they call me wanting me to cover for people, I'm like, yeah, no. Rock or and or I don't answer my phone. <laughs> but we're going to take our first uh, music break with Disturbed and Death Leopard. Then we're going to come back and talk about some cock-sucking assholes that actually defend defend child molesters and they think it's right ACLU comes to mind I'm 
Brotherhood and Betrayal is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't get the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happen. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. Oh yeah, we got a new batch of books in right now. Available for signatures, it's $20. That includes shipping here in the lower 48 states. If you're somewhere else outside the country, you got to get hold of China Dow to get the shipping costs. And boy, do I feel sorry for the shipping cost shit, man. Uh, but anyway, we do have them, and we will put a link in Discord as well as our other social uh, media platforms on how you can order it. But they go pretty fast, guys, so you want to get your copies. Uh, we sold out within, what, a day or two? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, you're going to want to get that. Or he, or he can be smart like J-Man, and he just brought his book to the house. He just brought it. You can give it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, all the major uh, platforms. So uh, make sure you get your copy, man, getting uh, good uh, feedback on it. Again, uh, last, uh, what it was, it was in fall, we're going to be having another one come out. So got to get your uh, collection going now, man. Uh, the first three books... Uh, New Age Biking and Brotherhood, The Iron Order, The Year That Changed, The Motorcycle Club Scene, and now Brotherhood and Betrayal is out, so make sure you collect all three of them. If you want me to sign something that you got off of Amazon, send it to the P.O. Box with the self-dressed stamp envelope, and I will sign it and get it back to you. Now, I'm pretty pissed off here. Pretty pissed off. Sex Offenders. Mm-hmm. You actually have organizations like the ACLU out there saying some of the laws that have been passed are unconstitutional and puts a due burden on the people that commit these crimes. That flabbergasted me when I was reading and looking up at topics for the show. How could you say a sex offender list is unconstitutional? I think everybody has the right to know who their neighbors are. You're damn right you hit it on the head of that nail. Especially if they've got kids. Exactly. Just saying. Look at what happened. We covered that uh, one story of Courtney. Yes. Where this guy killed a two-year-old after molesting her. Yep. And just because there was a quirk in the law, he was able to get out. Yes. And he moved to a place in Englewood, which, by the way, is still there, even though they said they were going to shut it down. And they said, everybody has a right to not be harassed. <laughs> Can you believe that the ACU or ACLU said such a thing? <clears throat> doesn't surprise me. To be honest, it really doesn't. 
Mm. But I'm going to flip the tables on that. Please explain to me why, because I was watching a bunch of stuff on, you know, TikTok last night, because that's my jive. And there's a bunch of clips about um, people that are going to prison for killing pedophiles. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but... I think you should kill her commissary folks. I, I high-five them people. I'm sorry. I high-five There's them. one guy, he, sa- he told the court, do not put me in a cell with a child sex offender. I will kill him. Mm-hmm. He killed one, and that's when he said it. Well, they thought they'd do it again, and he killed that one. It happens. That's prison justice for you. I'm sorry, but... I high-five those that take care of what the cops can't. Mm-hmm. The cops can't take care of these pedophiles, and somebody else does their business for them. High-five. Now, the I'm UN... Putting money, I'm putting money in their commissary. <laughs> now, the UN, they're a bunch of schlucks, and, you know, they're a bunch of freaking hypocritical fucking dickheads, and I don't believe they should be on our soil, but... International law recognizes that juvenile offenders require special protection. The Convention of Rights of the Child and the ICCPR prohibit arbitrary and unlawful interference with a child's privacy. The prohibition, along with other international legal guarantees of treatment with dignity, respect, and protection from cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment underlie the minimum standards. But then they go on and say that a child sex offender should have those rights. And I don't believe a sex offender should have the rights because their argument with the ACLU is, well, they did their time to society and they're not supposed to be subject to cruel and unusual punishment. I don't believe that. What I believe, what they did to them kids affect them for the rest of their uh, life so the punishment should be equal the punishment should totally fit the crime i think if so why somebody's a somebody's a pedophile and you harm a child harm should come to you exactly but when it comes to these sex offender lists they say they're suffering undue problems no. No, they're not. Your victims are. Exactly. And it's always funny when it comes to this type of stuff or any crime whatsoever that it's always the rights of the ones that are found guilty that are important, but not the victims. Well, doesn't the Bible say an eye for an eye? Well, that it does. <laughs> Just saying. That it does. Now, there's a human rights analysis of U.S. sex offender laws. Now, the U.S., you know, we got a Bill of Rights, a Constitution, uh, all kinds of safeguards against stuff, where communist countries and socialist countries, do you really think they let these assholes get away with shit like this? No, they're in a freaking tar and feather and freaking cut your fucking head off over there. Mm. And which should be done? I think a sexual predator should have his junk put into a guillo- uh, what is it, a guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> and Cut off, let him bleed out. Drop it. Just let him bleed it. out. I'm, I'm so mean, but just drop it. But they're claiming registration requirements have not 
carefully drafted in a way which balances the duty to protect individuals from sexual violence with basic human rights of an individual who has committed a sex crime and released into the community. The examination of registration requirements uh, reveal that they are overboard, often severely impacting the people who committed minor nonviolent offenses, including acts such as public or indecent exposure and consexual sex by teenagers. What do you think about that? Stupid. I think they should all rot. Every single one of them. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about them saying... That the registry is basically going overboard? Yeah, and their human rights are being violated. Well, they violated somebody else's human rights. I mean, these these people who get violated by these predators have to live with that the rest of their life. We're talking medication. We're talking therapy. We're talking uh, fear. You know, and what, they get to just live, the the predator that just gets to live a normal life and be normal and not have to now worry about it, anything? It goes even further. Listen to this one. Even for people who committed serious offenses, that fact alone is not determinative of their future dangerousness to society, nor can that factor be the basis of which an individual, uh, individual is effectively stripped of their rights. They're saying, even though it might have been serious, that don't tell you that's going to be the way they're going to act in the future. I call bullshit. I call bullshit. Once a sexual predator, always a sexual predator. There's something wrong with their fucking minds. I don't think predators can be fixed. I do not think so either. I don't. And they're going to say... They may not reoffend right away, but down the road, I can guarantee those predators will reoffend. You're guaranteed that. And you got, you got uh, states like California, New fucking York, that cuddled these people. Why in California? Because... The movie industry's filled with pedophiles. Mm. Filled with them. Mm-hmm. We talked about that with Child Stars the other day. Yeah. So you got these leftist pricks catering to these type of people. Now, they're also saying here residency restrictions, laws that prohibit convicted sex offenders from moving to a designated area otherwise open the residential use and that banish them from existing homes in such areas cannot be squared with human rights principles. Human rights. I think predators are no longer considered human. I think they're considered animals. I think they're garbage. Maybe they should be put down like a dog. Mm-hmm. 100%. I agree. I think... I still stand on the saying of... Predators need to be left alone with the victim's parents. Mm-hmm. They just need like 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes. But I always find it funny that they do this kind of stuff. You'll always have an organization like the ACLU out there protecting the criminals. 
They gave up their rights as soon as they molested a kid. I don't care who you are. And I bet the founders of this country, well, first they would have hung the motherfucker. But I bet the founders of this country wouldn't have put up with this kind of shit. No, not even. Can you imagine? I don't think this crap, I don't know. Do you think this crap went on way back in the day? If it did, they uh, found it out real quick and they hung them motherfuckers. I think people, I think a lot of the predators nowadays get get sentenced too lenient. You're damn right. I think they should get life in prison and put in uh, (laughs) with something. Anyway, there's a video being circulated right now of a black woman getting pulled over by a Hispanic deputy in L.A. And she went off on this guy from the minute that he walked up the car saying, you're always going to be a Mexican, you'll never be white, you know that. Let's listen. Yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are correct. I pulled you over because... Because you're a murderer. Uh, Yes, I started to record because you're a murderer. You can't be on your cell phone while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared me. You can't use your cell phone while you're recording. I can record you. May I have your driver's license? it's, It's at my apartment. What's your apartment? It's at my home. I'm just taking my son to his. Do you therapy. have a, Do you have your driver's license? I it, I mistakenly left it at home. Do you have a picture of your driver's license? Yes, I do. May I have it? And can you call your supervisor, please? I, I already did. He's on the, the minute he walked up to her. This is what she was saying. And so you're giving me a cell phone ticket? Is that why you're harassing me? not harassment. Yeah. I, I am enforcing the law. I have a right to and record the police when they're harassing me. By all means, but you can't do it while you're driving. I was, I can, I wasn't didn't texting or none of that. Do you have, and you had that you picture? you scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, this yeah, is I the kind of shit they're pu- pushing okay. now. Can you zoom in on that for me, Sure. Dear? Thank you. And I'm perfectly legal and I'm a teacher. So oh. there. That's what's like teaching that. our kids. You're a murderer. What's your last name? I can't see that there. Well, if here you, you go, stop, stop shaking. Zoom in on that for no, me. No, because huh? you're scaring me. Oh, you're threatening to kill me. Does he sound threatening? Not at all. You, you, I'll tell you what, you keep smiling. Yeah, you're on camera. You keep, you're, you're trying to threaten to kill me. I'm I didn't not smiling. Say that. You're the one who's crazy. Hold that still. I can't see that. Uh, is this your car? Yes, it is. And you're trying to say I stole my own car because you're jealous? Yeah, is that what I don't that's think about? so. You wait for me right here, okay? You're jealous. All you need to is just is your signature. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. Cell phone while she's driving. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really want to be. You there you go, be dear. White. Have you, a good day. What do you think of that? Holy crap. Why is she calling a cop? I'm- a murderer. Soon as he walked up to the car, he's she's threatening him the whole time. He didn't even say he was so calm. He and was just, calm. He was and, respectful. And he called his supervisor. Me, I'd have punched that bitch. His supervisor came to back him up, and even the supervisor's like, uh, he's just doing his job. She <laughs> was driving while on her phone. While on the phone, and we as bikers know this. A lot of bikers are killed because of people on their phones. Yeah. 
yeah. And this is a supposed teacher? Boy, I'd hate to be in her class and see what she's been saying to her students. Can you imagine her explaining that? Mm-hmm. And I hope, for God's sake, she doesn't have any Hispanics in her class. Well, nowadays, it's whites and Hispanics that are racist. They hit us and the Hispanics now. Crazy. God. And because they're black, they can get away with this shit. And all he did was give her a warning ticket. Yeah, he didn't even give her, like, an actual ticket. It was just a warning. I'm filming you because I think you're going to murder me. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that just made me giggle. I'm and here like, she is, a teacher driving a Mercedes Benz. It's kind of like those that are on uh, welfare and shit, driving around in Cadillacs and shit that piss you off. Mm, but mm, here's mm. a supposed teacher that is going to be teaching your child, and this is what you get. Can you imagine that history class? <laughs> And she, uh, uh, she has, because I looked into it, she has a history of filing false police reports. What? So do you guys see how far this cancel culture has really become? It's become insane. That's nuts. That, that, whole, that, whole, that whole thing just made me, it was making me laugh. Because she she like acted like a total fool. He's a cop. He's doing his job. He's calm as hell. He was calm. No, I wish I'd better rob in, a cop in, that was that calm. In no threatening way whatsoever. Just wanting to see her driver's license. Just wanting to see the driver's that's license. That's all she. That's all he wanted. Because she was it. driving while on the phone. While on the phone. Which here in Illinois is a big fine. Now. This wokeness from the left is destroying our country's institutions. During the Cold War, we had the CIA battling the KGB, and they were some hardcore killers, the CIA. Now, there is a controversial recruiting video with a Latino woman. They call it Latinx right now, and I don't know why. But she's got a million different freaking letters behind her name. And this everybody is like freaking out over this video. Let's hear it for a second. This is the recruiting video of the CIA. When I was 17, I quoted Zora Neale Hurston's How It Feels to Be Colored Me in my college application essay. The line that spoke to me stated simply, I am not tragically colored. There is no sorrow damned up in my soul nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. At 17, I had no idea what life would bring, but Sora's sentiment articulated so beautifully how I felt as a daughter of immigrants then and now. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I am a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Six, I am intersectional, uh, but my existence is not a box-checking exercise. I am a walking declaration, a woman whose inflection does not rise at the end of her sentences, suggesting that a question has been asked. I did not sneak into CIA. My employment was not and is not the result of a fluke 
or slip through the cracks. I earned my way in and I earned my way up the ranks of this organization. I am educated, qualified, and competent. And sometimes I struggle. I struggle feeling like I could do more, be more to my two sons. And I struggle leaving the office when I feel there's so much more to do. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refuse to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I am proud of me, full stop. I can't listen to no more. <laughs> She's got like six different freaking <laughs> sexes. <laughs> but what the hell is our intelligence community doing putting up Russia and China are laughing their asses off at us right now it has crept into every institution we have the CIA the NSA the military could you imagine Marines in World War II storming Iwo Jima saying well, I got six different sexes. Them slant-eyed Japanese... Oh, my fault. Uh, <laughs> them Japanese would just sit there and look at you with a dumb face. But Russia and China are taking advantage of this kind of shit. I like, I like when you were playing the video, all of a sudden comment popped in and it's Geo. <laughs> I could smack that ass with one hand and hold a beer in the other. I am Chicago. <laughs> there you go. But these are the people that are supposed to be protecting this country. And they got this woke politics shit in it now. That's just like NASCAR. NASCAR used to be one of my favorite sports. You know I love going to the racetrack. Yes. The local ones now. But then this Bubba Wallace. You know, I guess he's a black driver. And NASCAR has now went woke because they don't want the Confederate flag around. Me, if you ever see videos in the garage, that's all there is is Confederate flag. That's all over the garage. It gets tiring. You know, I was uh, happy down in Texas for the school board election. They actually voted in by a 70% margin. That's how much people are sick of people like that on the left, calling everybody racist, that they will not teach identity type of deals. People in this country are sick of it. You don't need six different genders. All I know is if you have a pink taco, you're a woman. If you have a penis, you're a male. There's no in-betweens. Well, now there is. But for the CIA to put up that kind of shit, that's dumb. Is ridiculous. It is. That's like so 100% unnecessary. You got that right. Why Why would you put that? that? And you said that's a training video? No, that's a recruitment that's video. That's a recruitment video? That's dumb. I think they should leave any part of a person's sex out of it. It shouldn't matter. It should not matter whatsoever. If they've, got, if they've got the degree, they've got the knowledge, who cares if they're male, female, bi. So if they're running an assassination on somebody, 
Are they going to stop and ask him? Well, you know, I might not want to shoot you because you know you got might be different. might be considered might be considered like a, a threat. Yeah, a racist thing. A racist thing. Yeah. Well, we can't kill this guy. Be you know, even though he's gonna you know bring in a nuclear bomb into the United States, we can't kill him because he's you trans. know gender ad- identity, trans or something like that. Yeah, can't kill him. Cause then you know this is wrong. what you get under Democrats, people. When are you gonna wake the fuck up? <laughs> you know, wake up, smell the coffee. You know, this ain't life. It really isn't. It, this ain't true life. Life is hard. Uh, you got to make it the best way you can. And this kind of fantasy bullshit ain't gonna help you one freaking bit. Is there racism out there? Yes. Is there freaking, uh, you know, hard feelings against LBTGQFYZ56, you know? <laughs> yes. Morbic, shooting the enemy now because it's a hate crime. <laughs> yes. You can't shoot the enemy. That's a hate crime. <laughs> these fucking people drive me crazy. It's these kind of people that are uh, protecting sex offenders. <laughs> It's so stupid. So, like, if somebody breaks into your house, you got to figure out what gender they are before you go and retaliate. Exactly. <laughs> or else you're going to get in trouble because they broke into your house, but you, you you defended your home, and now it's a hate crime. <laughs> it's just like that cop. An Hispanic cop walking up to this black broad, and sh- uh, you're, you're gonna a murder. murder. You're going to murder me. <laughs> No, I'm pulling you over for a ticket. Get the <laughs> hell out of here with that, man. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> I'm not going to murder you. I don't, like, ticket, I don't like law enforcement, but that made me puke. That was funny. I just can't believe how he was so damn calm. A bitch like that needs to be slapped, man. Bitch slapped. Uh, but everybody's worried about being uh, called a racist. Me, I'm always called racist. It don't fucking matter to and me. And hey, guess what? She was black. He was Hispanic. So how is that racist? And he didn't say or do anything wrong. No, I'm telling you, man. He didn't come at her with his gun drawn or anything. <laughs> Fuck no, he did everything right. He was nice and calm. Like I said, I wish I had a cop like that pull me over. I know. It don't go that it way. Don't, it never goes that way for no. me. My God. Anyway, don't forget to tune in tomorrow at 8 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time over on YouTube. And then with uh, Chida Dow and myself for the second half of the show. Hopefully she don't miss the show because she almost <laughs> did today, boy. If you want to help the show out, you can by uh, donating to our uh, dollar sign motorcycle madhouse. Or you can do it on PayPal. Don't forget, uh, we have the books in now. We'll get them out, get them signed. Hey, you hooligans, help the show out by donating to our cash app. Yeah, man. Keep the grass in stock. Dollar sign, motorcycle man. Brotherhood and Betrayal is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the -the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't get the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal.